father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Hello, everybody and coaches. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 185. Today we have a special edition called the COVID-19 Prevention Podcast. How can we be responsible citizens during this pandemic? Today we have two special guests. I'm so honored to have my sister, Deborah Furtado. Deborah is currently the Human Services Administrator for the DeKalb County Government Department of Human Services. Deborah Furtado's successful tenure as Senior Connection CEO continues to be reflected in the growing number of seniors served annually in expanding service territory and quality of programs provided. Her dedicated focus to a mission of providing a central home and community-based care that maximizes independence has helped attract new donors and customers in support of the organization's work. Deborah worked for nine years with AGL Resources, parent company of Atlanta Gaslight Company, serving in several positions, including Director, Diversity and Volunteer Outreach, and Director, Community Affairs. She also serves as a strategic partner as Human Resources Director for Atlanta Gaslight Company and manage a 200-plus staff call center. My other guest is my cousin, Matthew Serrato. Matthew Serrato has been... is the supervising deputy district attorney position at the Merced County District Attorney's Office. He replaced Steve Slocum, who was recently selected to be the new Merced County Superior Court Commissioner in January. Serrato, 39 years old, joined the district attorney's office in 2007 as a misdemeanor attorney and became a felony attorney in 2008. Since he began his career as a prosecutor, he has taken a total of 56 trials to verdict, 42 of these being felony trials, which included seven murder trials, six attempted murder trials, and 16 life trials. He was also the lead prosecutor on Operation Scrapbook, a long-year investigation which culminated on May 10, 2017, with the arrest of over 60 Serrano gang members in Merced County, at least 23 of whom have already been convicted and sentenced. 
Merced City Councilman Matthew Serrato told The Times this week he plans to run for mayor and has taken the first steps to launch a citywide campaign for the top post. I'm so excited to have both my sister and my cousin on. They're going to give you a really great insight into what can you do to help prevent this virus from continuing to spread. Um, my sister um, had COVID-19 for quite a few, uh, quite a long time, and she has now tested uh, COVID negative. So she is now recovering. Uh, she is trying to get her back, her life back in order and so forth. And she's going to give you kind of an inside look on how it is to live with this virus. I don't think a lot of people realize how difficult it is to live with a virus. Um, and it's very similar to Chris Cuomo, um, one of the lead anchors at CNN. He, we saw day by day how he lived with this terrible virus and what my sister calls the beast. So she's going to give you an inside look on how it happened, uh, how she got treated for it, the testing, and also how is she doing now recovering from it. And she's going to give you some key, key ideas on how to prevent it. My cousin Matt Serrato is, um, he's just a, a great public servant uh, in Merced County, California. And he's going to give you ideas on what they're doing with the schools out there, what they're doing in the government sector, on how they are trying to prevent this terrible virus from spreading. So all you coaches out there, you can get some great ideas on what you can do to protect yourself and also to protect your kids. So let's welcome Deborah Furtado and Matthew Serrato. Welcome to the podcast. Yep. All right. Hey, uh, welcome to the episode 185 of the Championship Vision podcast. Um, this is a special podcast uh, in a sense that I got my two family members with me. Uh, I got my cousin, Matthew Serrato, and also my wonderful sister, Deborah Furtado. And um, we have uh, just a story to, the, and to share with you guys. And, um, and today's really, it's about, you know, uh, the effects of COVID-19 and how to prevent it. Because Right now it's rampant and I think you guys are really going to get a lot of ideas and great ideas to help your family and yourself. So, hey, let's, uh, without further ado, let's uh, introduce uh, Deborah. Can you uh, just kind of give a brief uh, bio of you? <laughs> sure, I'll make it brief. Um, first of all, thank you, Kevin, and thank you, Matt. Um, so I uh, have lived, I've, I've lived now in Georgia for over half my life. Grew up in California. Uh, Matt is uh, my cousin, and I won't say my favorite. I've got other cousins, but uh, he—you <laughs> can say it. <laughs> great guy, yeah. Chris will kill me, my godchild. But I, 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 I um, you know, I work for DeKalb County, and I uh, went to the University of Georgia, and I, uh, I live in the city of Decatur, and I've, um, you know, I've just, I just love living here in Georgia, and I love what I do. Uh, work for a human services department, providing services for youth and seniors. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I have family here, and uh, I'm a grandma. Uh, um, yeah, but I, I, I just, we'll talk later about, um, about getting really sick with COVID. 
All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, your – of course, you were on a – I think it was uh, 150 – was it 154? Matt, you were on uh, already one of my episodes, man. So you're a returner to the you're championship playing, vision yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, uh, uh, amazing that someone would ever invite me back to anything. This is a unique – Welcome back. Now, good to be back. Um, uh, Matt Serrato, uh, you know, cousins with uh, both of you guys. Uh, love you guys tremendously, and it's just it's great to be here. Out in California, Merced. Uh, Kevin, actually, you said you talked to our, our uh, basketball coach not too long ago, too, as well. So you're kind of starting to become a regular out here in Merced. I know. Um, and um, I work for the DA's office. I'm on the city council. Uh, uh, college, UC Davis, UCLA. Uh, been here for a uh, big part of my life, 13 years. So, um, and we're dealing with a lot of this here. Obviously, everywhere all across the country is dealing with these COVID issues. And I just think this is kind of a neat opportunity to talk to Deb and just get her story up. And she can tell us, you know, what, what's this like you know, going through all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to tell you, it's a, it's a joy to have you both on. And hopefully somebody can really get one or two important points. Just like the coaches I have on my podcast, y'all, um, if you can get one or two key points to bring back home to your players, I want my coaches to get one or two key points that they can help their players out and their family members. So, hey, Deborah, tell, tell us a little bit about how you came down with COVID-19 and just talk about kind of the, you know, the, the how how it kind of was created and so forth and how um you know this dilemma came through in your life and so i know if you have dealt with a lot just talk about the brief history of that well so as matt knows i am uh i have my i have my immune compromise and then i'm a cancer survivor i'm a non-hodgkin's lymphoma and matt's also a cancer survivor his his cancer is different from mine and i um i had um was diagnosed back in 2015 and then relapsed 2017. And I've got, you know, a wonderful oncologist and I had to be treated again. And when you're a cancer survivor, um, you know, your immune system, you have to be very careful. I did finish my last treatments in November, but it was just, you know, November. Um, so it was April of this year. And, you know, I working for the county, we were all working remotely county's been very, very safe and had us working remotely. And in my job, I can work remotely. So I was working from home with my laptop, able to get all my work done. And um, things were different in April. You know, it was East before Easter. People were shopping without masks. Um, we weren't as careful. Uh, I, um, I went out shopping and I don't, I don't remember having a mask on. I went to a couple stores my brother had moved in with me because he had lost his job, my other brother. And um, I was cooking Easter dinner and I was cooking a chicken and chopping up garlic. And I remember going to smell the garlic and realizing that I couldn't smell it on my hands. And normally anyone who's a cook knows when you're chopping up garlic, you know, you usually have that on your hands for days. Um, I thought it was weird. I knew I had read this was early on that maybe COVID, you lost your sense of taste and smell. And so I was a little bit worried, but I kept doing everything. And then 
um, my sense of taste kind of went away too. Now, um, that was Sunday and I, I called my doctor and set up a telemed appointment with my primary care doc. Um, I made a big mistake. Uh, she asked me if, um, if I lost my sense of taste and smell and I told her no. Um, I don't know why I said no. And those are lessons, you know, that you learn. But she, I had, I had a sinus infection basically. And she treated it as a sinus infection. And at the time, you know, she probably should have gotten a COVID test. But back then, the tests were not that plentiful. And it was really tough. And that was a problem. The doctors had a hard time with it. So um, my sense of taste and smell did not, uh, they, they came back probably after a, a week. So it wasn't gone that long. And the sinus infection got better. And then uh, my next, that was, that was April. Um, and my doctor. If I could jump in for, if I could jump in for a second, how far, I mean, how much is the loss of taste and smell? Is it complete or is it just? That's a great question. So the weird thing I will tell you, Matthew, that it, it, you're, they're gone. Um, it's in, everybody's different. You know, last night I was watching Stephen Colbert and his, uh, Tom Hanks was on and he was talking about his wife and Rita, yeah. she, he did not lose his sense of taste and smell. She did. He was talking about when they were in Australia and they were eating dinner. And he said, this food is fantastic. And she said, it tastes like oatmeal. And later they didn't know. And then they had their test. And so it's weird. Some people are affected by that. I did not have a fever. And that's what's interesting is that my doctor kept saying, check your fever. I did not have a fever. And then um, he progressed. That was like April. I started feeling a little better. No fever. And it was weird. It was like May. The first part of May, um, I started feeling worse. And this was like the beginning of May and I started having a cough. And my doctor was like, hmm, she started giving, she gave me medication for the cough. Um, and then I think about the second week in May, I started having a fever. It was just very strange. And I said to my doctor, this was uh, the middle of the week because on May 14th is when I went and had my COVID test. She said, I said, uh, Dr. Murray, um, I think I need to go get a COVID test. Now at this time, as y'all may recall, the tests were more plentiful. And she said, yeah, you need to. I called, it was really easy for me. So if you have insurance, I recommend this. So for people that don't, it is harder. We're seeing long lines. Georgia is terrible. We've got a lot of cases. Um, and some people are in lines for two and three hours, but I was able to call up Emory's hotline so if you have insurance, you can call Emory's hotline, which is just like 1-800-COVID-19. And I had a nurse that questioned me. I, um, she set up an appointment. I just went right over there, drove in, had the test. It's not that bad. I tell people, you know, it's she next day, that was Thursday. I uh, got a call Friday and was told I was positive. And my heart kind of sank. I was like, wow. Uh, but then everything started making sense. You know, the fever, all that. It was weird. Like I said, it was very different symptoms. And that's what I say. And I tell people this, and, and this is what I'm glad y'all are asking. This virus, and y'all have heard me say this and heard me write this on social media, is what I call a beast. It's not a regular virus. It's a novel virus. And it doesn't act normally. And the doctors are, have a hard time with it. So um, with that, you know, then it was, okay. You know, here's what you need to do. Check in your, your fever. 
Uh, you want to make sure the fever's not, um, what is it, over 102. And I was doing okay. I was checking it every day, twice a day. Um, what I didn't check, what I didn't realize, was my oxygen levels. Didn't even think about it. So cough started getting worse. This is like May, progressing down through May. And uh, Memorial Day, and I remember just feeling terrible. Fatigue, fatigue is a big part of it. And everyone you talk to that has had COVID, the one consistent symptom that we all have is fatigue. Um, Mayor Bottoms in Atlanta, her husband, she said he slept from Thursday to Sunday. She did not have any symptoms. So it's just weird. Um, and the fatigue is this really is really bad. So um, then I um, after that uh, I again talked to my doctor and was just doing poorly. I ordered um, a a pulse oxygen oximeter, a um, little machine goes on your finger and usually you go into the doctor's office. They put one on you. I ordered one from Amazon, my favorite favorite place. I ordered one from Amazon and um, I didn't really know. And then I started talking to my doctor and you know, your pulse oxygen level should be, when you put it, should be 95 or higher. So you can get one of those little suckers. They, they cost hardly anything at a, your local pharmacy. Um, you can get it at Walgreens, CVS, wherever, and you can order it on Amazon. And it's one of the best, cheapest things you can get. So I didn't know. And then finally, I was just doing poorly. This is June now. And my doctor says, it's still my primary care doctor. She said, um, okay, she was checking because she was worried. So you see, this is the problem we face, people that get COVID. Um, no one really wants to deal with this because everybody's scared. I don't blame them. They're all afraid of getting COVID. So when they deal with you, they're very, very cautious as they have to be. Got their PPE, got everything. Uh, there were a few times that she was going to send me to the the COVID clinic, I didn't go. Apparently I wasn't sick enough, she would call. And so finally, it was the week of, um, this is June 22nd. And it's an amazing, amazing story. I had an appointment with my oncologist to do a checkup to, because um, I had been cancer free, just to see how I was doing. And Dr. J, who is like the best doctor here in Metro Atlanta uh, for oncology, she and hematology, um, I went into her office, they did my vitals, and she, um, they, they made me go outside and wait in the, the outside room, and I knew there was a problem, and um, Dr. J called me on my cell phone, and she said, I'm admitting you to the Emory ER right now. She says, your pulse oxygen level is too low, it was in the 80s, um, and you need to go, and you need to get over there and go. And I probably should not have driven myself, but I did, it's not very far. And that's kind of how the story, that's how I feel like um, I, my life was saved, I have to say. And Matthew knows when you have these oncologists um, and sometimes you're just not feeling well, I feel like Dr. J, that's the third time she saved my life. And I told her that I got, when she came in my room and saw me when I was in the hospital, that's the third time you've actually saved my life because my primary care doctor was good but I think it's hard for them. They don't really know. And she's really good now. She keeps up with me. But you needed someone like an oncologist who, you know, every, anyone who has cancer knows they are, 
they, they ask questions, they dig down, they find out what it is, they want you to be better. And not to say that a primary care doc doesn't, but that's how they are. And they know a lot of people. So Dr. J, I went over to ER and then everything happened really fast. Um, and Kevin, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, I want to jump in really quick, Deborah, and I want Matt to also add in. And I appreciate you sharing and being transparent because I know it's not easy. Um, but I think it's going to really help a lot of people. Um, talk about how it, this can relate to, the other day I was in talking to our nurse in the hospital because we are now prepared to go back to school. And the choices are, Matt, probably the same thing in your county, online or in class, I mean, face-to-face. -face. Um, and I asked the nurse, I says, you know, let's say somebody comes in, they're not feeling good, and they got to go get tested. And this is my problem. Where do we get tested at? We literally have to drive out to Athens, Georgia, to go get tested when all these counties out here, that's a major problem that is, that will delay everything. Um, Deborah, you can talk about that as well. Now you're in Atlanta, obviously they have more testing, but out here in central Georgia, man, when you gotta drive an hour to get tested, that's absurd. So Matt, tell us a little bit about that, kind of add into that. Yeah, I mean, here in Merced, the testing's it's in town, so you're just a few minutes away. Um, there's a couple of places around. So if you live out in the country a little bit, you gotta drive into town, but, um, you know, the testing seems it's adequate. You have to make an appointment and sometimes it, it you know, they're busy right now. We're testing a lot of people every day. So um, to the county fairground. So, um, you know, it, it, it can take a little bit to get an appointment. I actually knew somebody who um, if she wanted to get tested and she couldn't get in quick enough here. So she had to drive, you know, 45 minutes or so, but it's everybody who wants to be tested can get tested. So, you know, we, we have the resources here to do it. It's certainly not uh, like the situation that you described there where you've got to drive, you know, an hour plus just to get to a testing site, which can really deter people, you know, from doing it. And it's a, you know, it's a virus that obviously it started in the most concentrated ur urban areas of the country. And obviously viruses are going to spread more when people are in close contact, but yeah. it'll sweep through, you know, the rural areas as well too. It's hitting us, um, you know, more and more right now. It seemed to start slow here. We didn't really get much of an uptick until probably April when it started to build a little bit. And then, um, you know, lately it's obviously spiked back up along with everywhere else. We're kind of, we're tracing California for the most part where, you know, it started a little slow. California seemed to have been spared for a while. Um, and then California moved relatively quickly. Um, and did, I don't think, we didn't make the mistakes that, you know, like New York made with the nursing homes in particular. You know, Deb, you know, because I mean, you ran a nonprofit for seniors and you know how particularly vulnerable that population is. But, you know, there are a lot of mistakes made, I think, in, in a lot of those, you know, New York, New Jersey, putting people into nursing homes that really caused a lot of the death. Um, you know, we were, had the ability to avoid that and were smart enough to do it. But, you know, lately, um, our numbers are ticking back up for sure. There's a pretty steep spike and it's just, the question is, you know, is the death rate going to spike as well? It hasn't yet, but if it does, then you know, we're going to be in a whole world of hurt. So that's really, I mean, hoping and praying that even though we've had this massive case spike, you know, once we get through it in, you know, four weeks or so, um, you know, the deaths don't spike up as well. That'd be, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, we don't see a whole, whole lot of 
bad things happening. Yeah, but how was it easy? How what? I mean, to go get tested. Talk about that. I know you already did, but talk about that process again so people can kind of get an idea. Um, I was tested four times. My brother, Mike, also went. He went the next day. He was tested, tested negative. I told friends of mine. People asked me about, about contact tracing. I think Matt asked me. That was not real popular right then. It was not as big as it is now. But I told, I told friends, and people went, and everybody came back negative. So I was a little bit like, damn. I wanted people to be negative, but I was kind of like, it's just me. But part of it is probably my immune system. I think to your point about um, where you are, Kevin, and since we both live in Georgia, uh, it is really disappointing that um, that's a problem that we have in Georgia. Like Athens is not that close to you. And I've heard stories about people in Texas and Florida that have been in line for two and three hours. And one guy you know, he was so sick and had a fever and he ran out of gas and he went and got gas, filled it up in his truck. And, you know, I think if anything, my biggest thing, and I will tell you, testing is everything. So you asked me a question. The test, the test itself is fairly easy. It's uncomfortable and it's not something, but since Matt and I and Kevin, you're the same way, and we're not chickens. Uh, we've been through a lot. And, uh, you know, they, they just basically put, put a swab up your nose and then the nurse doesn't give you much time. She says, uh, five seconds and it was like boom 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 and I was like damn um, and then I was I had to be tested three other times in the hospital so um, the only thing I'm thinking about Kevin is that you've got a local hospital are the hospitals there doing test test no that I was gonna jump in and, and say we live right next to St. Mary's I mean it's literally right around the corner from us there's no testing there and that's according to health professionals that I've, I've that's absurd. Now you got a nice facility. Not only that, you got all retired people out here at the lake. It's a nice area. I'm totally shocked. Yes, I, am shocked <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I think that's a problem in our country. Matt, you were asking about deaths. Um, I heard today, because you know I'm a news junkie, um, that by November, the, um, I don't remember if, which group it was, but it may have been uh, not not the CDC, but it was one of the time they said they predict over 200,000 people will be dead, Americans. Um, and that's terrible. And I hope they're wrong because, but when you hear about not having the testing, that is the problem. So, um, you know, when I went Monday and my doctor sent me there, I didn't want to go. I didn't really know the problem. I, I didn't really know. Now I know more about oxygen than I ever want to know. But um, I got in. I went up, I parked my own car in the garage, I walked over to the ER. Everything is different, you know. I mean, it's all different how they have it set up. All of us, Matt, I'm sure, and Kevin have had to go to doctor's appointments. And um, when I went in and checked in, you know, they checked me in, um, took my temperature. My temperature was 101, and uh, all the nurses freaked out. And they did it again, it was 99, so they didn't, but I think it was 100. And then they uh, had me go to the back, and then that's where um, everything happened so fast. I thought I would be going home. I was wrong. Um, ER doc comes in. As soon as they put this oxygen on me, y'all, oh, my God, I felt so much better. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it was, like, it was like God. It was like they put the – and I said, I can breathe. And it was amazing to me. And so 
what they you still do have it right now you still have it right now have it on now and, yeah. and what i do is you know i'm i'm doing so much better i mean it's unbelievable how much better and i have it on i sometimes i take it off uh, i find that when i um, i'm going next week i have doctor's appointments next week so i'll learn about they'll do another ct scan of my lungs but that's the first thing they did they started oh my gosh they were doing ct scans and they were doing x-rays and it was like boom boom put in a uh IV and then the ER doc comes in. Dr. White, I remember because she had a Miami Hurricane skull cap on. So yeah, it's funny. You know? <laughs> and she was really excellent. She said, uh, so we're going to have to do another COVID test. Well, I kind of freaked out. I said, but I'm testing in May. I can't. She goes, I'm sorry. That's just our, our protocol. And I was a little worried. She said, I doubt you're going to be positive. It's been a long time. You know, blah, blah, blah. But you know, part of you starts is, I was scared. Um, they did everything, they did all this stuff. The nurse came in, all these different tests were going on and she did the COVID test. In the hospital, they did both nostrils. <laughs> but still, I tell people, I'm not, I can do anything now. It's like, hey. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast. Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. And then we go in back. We're doing. We're back by the CT scan. And they're, they're getting ready to do it. And the nurse says to me, Ms. Furtado, I'm so sorry, but I messed up on your, your COVID test. I didn't label it properly. I need again. I was like, ah. <laughs> she was very nice and she admitted the error. And so after they did everything, um, and obviously I was, I had not taken my jeans off, but now I was like, all right, this is it. They took me up to the room. I didn't realize, and this is where you see on TV. So y'all going to laugh at me, but I didn't realize they were taking me to the ICU. Uh, the COVID floor. And I was, you know, and I was hungry. Uh, they get, I ate two little turkey sandwiches uh, and they got me in the room and then, um, you know, started hooking me up and I got everything, you know, I was like, I was ready to go to sleep. Um, the next day, and then the doctors came in. I talked to, um, so I had four doctors. Um, Dr. Bressler, who's the infectious disease doc, he was good. He's very um, matter of fact. If you ever deal with an infectious disease doctor, I call them purists, but he is, but very, very sharp. Dr. Prieto, she's the, uh, the internal medicine. She's more, uh, I say, reasonable. Um, she's the one made sure I had medication going home. Dr. J, of course, my oncologist. And then eventually I had Dr. Wu. And my primary care doc, she's not, wasn't involved right then, but she knew what was going on. Dr. Wu was a pulmonologist. So they knew there was something wrong with my lungs. Um, they wanted to do the CT scan. They had the results. And then on Tuesday, um, they were able to look and see. So basically on the right side of my lungs, 
basically I had pneumonia. I had a viral pneumonia caused by COVID. The good news is Tuesday night I found out I was COVID negative. So I was very happy and they got me off the ICU floor. And uh, that was the third floor. And they got me onto the, uh, Matt, you'll appreciate this. They got me onto the, the cancer floor, the hematology, uh, oncology, which was what I call the Taj Mahal. Um, <laughs> Nice. It felt like coming home, probably, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was there, and it was like, oh, those my people. And the first time uh, I went to the one at UCSF, their floor, they had somebody playing the harp. Oh yeah, it's very. You're right. Very, very, very pleasant. <laughs> it was nice. The nurses weren't dressed in all their garb because they didn't have to have all the PPE. Yeah. Totally different. And when the nurses found out I was not, I was COVID negative that night, it was interesting to see them relax, you know, yeah. it was kind of, I have so many things to say about staff, but I will tell you that um, that was Wednesday, I moved to the, and then my doctor, my oncologist talked to me, and she insisted on doing a, um, uh, a CT scan of my pelvic area, because she wanted to make sure there was no lymphoma, so she was able to clear that out, and can't, so I'm cancer-free, that's good. Um, and she and the nurse came in and said, oh, Ms. Furtado, this was Wednesday night. Um, Dr. J wants to do a, a CT scan. You have to drink this barium. You know how that is, Matt. You got to drink barium and um, wait. And they didn't do the scan till two o'clock in the morning. And I got back in my room at three and it was my birthday. So I said to the guy when he was wheeling me back, I said, hey, my birthday. He's like, ah, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> so that was June 25th. So I celebrated my birthday there. The nurses were all great. And what happened, and kind of the long the story, the end of the story is that the doctors came in really on my birthday and they said, look, and this is a scary thing for everyone. Because um, I didn't know how I got it. I didn't, I'd had it for a long time. They've seen that. They knew because I was immune compromised that this happens. And I had all these different symptoms. And they said, um, we're recommending that we do a biopsy of your lungs so that we can make sure there's no um, tumor and they had already ruled out any blood clots. A lot of people that have COVID end up getting blood clots. Don't ask me why, but that is a problem. And so, um, so Dr. Wu, the pulmonologist, um, Dr. Bressler came in and said, we'd like to keep you, this was Friday, and he said, we'd like to keep you over the weekend and do the test Monday, I said, no way. I need to go home. And um, luckily my oncologist and the pulmonologist made that happen. I went home and then Monday came back Monday morning for the biopsy. And the good news is there's no tumor. Basically what, I, what they found was um, on the right side of the lungs, inflammation, which is what pneumonia is. Um, and so that's why I'm on oxygen therapy. And what I was hoping for, um, <laughs> was that they would give me steroids that would help me get better faster. But after they reviewed everything, they decided that was not a good option. They said there are too many side effects and they didn't feel I needed it. And I have to say, they were right. Um, and my oncologist was the one really pushing. She knew I wanted to get better faster, but I have to say I'm lucky. And this is the problem with healthcare. And Kevin, you were talking about this with testing. You know, I had great health care. I happened, I didn't plan this, but I happened to be there, you know, June, the end of June, which is the end of my, uh, Matt will appreciate this too, and Kevin, the end of my, insur my insurance plan ends June 30th. So you know I'd already met my out-of-pocket maximum. 
So I was like, get all my stuff done, right? So I can get the hell out of here and not, and, and they did. And then I'll obviously still have an out-of-pocket maximum, but um, this, the, the service from the nurses, the doctors, everything, I was lucky. And there are a lot of people that don't have that. I mean, look at, I had, they also told me um, Friday, before we do the biopsy, we need to do another COVID test. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, and so the nurse came in. She was very nice. Her name was Lisa. And she said, but the good news is I found out we don't need to do both nostrils. I said, I wish they all would have found that out before. But um, she did the test. And of course, I was negative on that. But here's the thing. Just because you're negative doesn't mean you can't get it again. And I heard that today. I think it was Fauci that said it. Um, this, this virus doesn't mean I don't have any antibodies. It's really weird. Um, they, te they, they did the blood samples, and I have no antibodies. So uh, I'm doing an IVIG treatment on Monday, along with the CT scan, because that'll help me as a cancer survivor to build up my immune system. Deborah, I want to ask you and Matt this, and we all three have something in common. We have compromised immune systems. I'm a type 1 diabetic for most of my life, as you all know, and both of you are cancer survivors. So what do you suggest people do to help prevent, or is there, is it just a luck of the draw? I mean, Nikki and I were talking about this today. We're doing everything possible, but you can go over to Publix, and if somebody's not masking it and so forth, so talk about how, what you guys can do to help prevent it again and what, heck, including myself, type 1 diabetic. I'll just say, and I'll let Matt say, I'll just say that for me, um, how I've changed is, first of all, you got, you got to wear a mask. There, in, early on, I didn't have a mask on. Mask all the time. When people come to my door and they're leaving me dinner or something, I put my mask on. Um, wear the mask, and I don't shop. I use Instacart. Um, you know, I'm able to work remotely, which is great. Uh, I am walking my dog now with my neighbor and I'm not using oxygen, but I have a mask on when I walk her. I sometimes go out, water, always have the mask on. I think that there are things that we can do. And Matt would probably say, especially as a, as a civil servant that, uh, or as an elected official, I should have not elected yet anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think as, as, as an assistant DA that, it's important for people to follow the rules. You know, <laughs> people don't want to. It's my freedom. I don't want to wear a mask. But it's not just you. It's not just you're, you're protecting yourself. These people that got it, they said they didn't believe in it. So number one, answer your question, wear a mask everywhere. Uh, because that's going to protect you. If the guy next to you doesn't have a mask on, you're still semi-protected and get away from that person. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. When you come in, if you buy groceries, put the groceries down and they say, wash, you know, wipe them down, wash your hands. You just can't, my hands are like, I don't know if y'all, my hands are like so dry. You can't wash your hands all the time. And then sanitize and just be really careful. I think I'm a lot more careful than I was. Matt, what do you think? No, same thing. I mean, I'm certainly no expert on this, but you know, and typically I'm, I don't know, the way I've always been, I haven't been, you know, too conscious of contracting anything. You know, I'm kind of, I guess you have people who are more germophobic. I'm kind of the opposite in a way, you know, like something falls on the floor, you know, the 10 second rule, 30 second rule. 
but uh you know you just gotta be more conscious of that i think you know and you have to it's hard because it forces you to stay away from people it forces you to do a lot of things which you know make us you can't do a lot of things which sort of make us happy you know being around people being social that's the hard part about this is it really you know prevents us it takes away a lot of things we love yeah. and and really and that causes a lot of other issues as well and especially you just i don't know you, you really feel for you know we're all old enough so it doesn't you know i don't know it doesn't matter as much for us but i mean kevin you see it with the the kids you coach in high school um you know if you because of this they lose their senior year of basketball you know you can't coach those kids and you know they love the sport and this is really the one chance they have to perform on that stage and just the opportunities lost for you know so many young people in particular uh is really you know it's pretty devastating that's really that's you know obviously you feel bad for the and obviously the people who've been horrifically impacted by this and especially those who've lost their lives but you know on the other other hand too you have a lot of in particular young people who lives have been they've, they've lost out on things they'll never get back that's right and it's just it's a it's quite a shame yeah i want to add to that story um this past year at uh our school uh we've had we had nine i didn't coach the team but we had nine seniors on the girls soccer team they all lost an opportunity they were really good they were heading for a championship they all lost that opportunity um but it was early on and so forth and we did they did the right thing they could not have played because that was right at the beginning in april march april and so forth. Now, this year, y'all, I have probably my best team ever. I have three seniors. You guys know, I mean, and I have, we have a great team. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a high chance that they might cancel the season. I, I'm prepared for that. But I think the protocol is there. Our school's doing a great job. We have to take temperatures before our workouts. I have to wear a mask. My assistant wears a mask. Um, we're, we're, we're sanitizing the balls, all that stuff, but you can't control where people go in the off. You know, I mean, you can't, people have to be responsible. Hey, let's continue on with that. I want both your opinion before we leave. What about schools? Because my listeners are coaches. What do you think, Deborah? Do you think schools should be back in session? All right, because you deal in the public sector, or should we go online? we deal with youth and we've been in seniors and we're looking at programs and we have a really cool tutoring program that's a collaboration of AARP, United Way of Greater Atlanta, DeKalb County Schools and also DeKalb County and we did really really well. We ended up having a virtual volunteer celebration in May but um, what we're talking about what AARP is talking about is you know doing the program virtually more so for the seniors who volunteer than for the kids which I think is a good idea because the program really worked. But to answer your question, what DeKalb County Schools is doing, I think is good. So here's what we've got in DeKalb, and this is really hard. Um, they have, they've gone virtual for the first quarter. So that's basically nine weeks. So no in school, it's just all online learning. And then what they're gonna do is I think that helps them to prepare and to assess. And I'm hopeful, I hate to use the word hopeful, but I really am hopeful 
that we will be at a point where the kids will be able to go back. And I think that one of the things that they're saying, we got to learn from Europe, but what Europe is doing is too bad because we really need a national program or national guidance. But in Europe, they, they took the elementary kids and they brought them back because you can't keep people six feet apart. That's just possible. But elementary, and then they kind of, you know, waited on middle and waited on high school. So I think we have to do it in stages, but I'm with you and I think you got to try, you know, to your point, um, I hate to say try to scare them, but you really try to talk to them to make sure they understand. And, they, and like little kids are showing them how to wash their hands, uh, and why it's important. But still people forget. You know, sometimes I forget, I come in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta wash my hands. You know, um, it, it's just so, so important. So that's, that's what I think is good. And parents have been relieved. The problem is, and you, is that not everybody has a, uh, a laptop or a tablet and not everybody has access to Wi-Fi. But we're trying to get there, but it's really hard in the rural areas. So I don't know, what do you think, Matt? I don't pretend to have an answer to this yet. I mean, it's a tough situation. You have a lot of, um, you know, really bad choices here that you have to choose between. You have, um, you know, keeping kids home. Uh, and we, we have that same problem out here, too. We have a lot of kids who don't have Wi-Fi or anything at home. And, you know, without that or without really good parent support, they're going to lose out on a lot of learning opportunities. And that's, that is going to have long-term bad consequences, both for them and you know, for us as a society, um, you know, with kids losing out and a lot of, we have to educate kids and we have to prepare them for, you know, for what the competitive, uh, you know, dynamic world, um, sports, those sort of things, you know, those opportunities, learning, but at the same time, you know, everybody who's got kids knows kids pick up germs and they're little, you know, germ sponges and they take them home and then all of a sudden the parents are infected and then, they get to the grandparents and, you know, just the potential for spread is, is immense. So how do you balance those two? I don't know. I know California seems like it's starting to go towards, um, you know, more online and LA and San Diego both did it. Uh, we haven't made a determination yet here in Merced. Um, you know, the, the school, a little, maybe a little different with the colleges because you have kids living on their own a little more, but still, I mean, you have, I don't know. You have a big potential for spread. So uh, just. And then, and, and then Matt, what about, you know, what about influenza? I think that, you know, they're saying now it could be a different strain. Uh, let me tell, I'm going to tell both of you um, and all three of us are, are immune compromised. As soon as that flu vaccine comes out, man, run to your doctor and get the vaccine, you know, because everybody's going to be going and you just got to get in there because uh, Kevin, that means you, uh, you know, there's nothing for, for COVID yet, but they are working really hard on, and I know, but I'm with you, Matt. I think it's, I, I wish. It's, really sad. it's just really sad, Deb. I mean, you have, and I mean, obviously Kevin, you, you work, you, you work in you know, high school, so you know, um, you know, you coach kids and teach and you just, I don't know, you see the negative effect this is going to have on so many students. It's going to take a huge toll. Yeah, well, we're innovative. I'm very fortunate to work at a high academic. We have one of the best charter schools in the country, really. Um, 
And uh, Matt, we got to get you out here. You've been at all my schools. I got to get you out to this one, man. We got to get you out. Of course, I'm not sure about this year, but um, but what we're doing is we're doing a hybrid. So for the high school, if they they can do, they can take like because we're trying to keep everybody in the same pod area, so they're not going all the different classrooms. So they would take maybe two classes in school and then three online. So they're trying to keep people either at home or in the same area, which I think is very innovative. We got the technology here, but as Deborah says, you know, the Atlanta public schools, I'm not sure if you can get away with that. Now they're going online, Deborah, but they're starting, they're, they're allowing kids to play sports. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, cause I think sports is so good. What I wish would happen is, this is my wish, is that, you know, at the federal level, uh, no, it's not, but what could happen next year is Secretary of Education bringing these superintendents together. Um, but right now, it would be nice if the governors, like our governor, uh, but I don't know if he'll do this, bringing all the superintendents together. And the Metro, maybe the Metro separate and middle Georgia, you know, doing it that way and really talking because we need consistency. You know, it would sure be nice if we could say as the United States of America that all of our schools are gonna be virtual and here's what we're doing as far as Wi-Fi and computers and all that. And we could really focus on that and we need to be better about it. And then I think for sports, I just think sports are so important. You know, it's kind of like I look at it and I don't want to compare it to my dog, but I will tell you both, I haven't had my dog here because she's been staying with my neighbors because I can't walk her, I can't do stuff. But I saw her a few days ago and we walked yesterday and she makes me feel so much better. And when I saw her, I started crying, but now I'm like, it just makes me feel good. And that's just one thing. And I think that for sports, it's so good. And my doctor told me you got to exercise. So the walking that I used to do is so important. So I think we have to do this. I don't know. Um, we're just going to have to put those protocols in place and, and just be really, really adhere to them. As it falls on you, Kevin, but, and the other teachers. And then you all need to be careful because. Sure. I think a lot of teachers are worried. Talking to teachers coaches around the country. I, I interviewed um, Coach Kathy Walton from Southwest DeKalb the other day, legendary basketball coach. They're not doing anything. I mean, they're not allowing workouts, nothing in DeKalb County, as you already know. Um, so I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, because you just stop living. I mean, and kids need activity, but we're in a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we stop doing everything that that we love and everything that makes us happy and everything that we learn from that makes us better. I mean, there comes a time where to your point, Kevin, we got to get back to living. And, yeah. you know, I think, I don't know, at least in my view, I think the next, the next month, six weeks is really going to tell us a lot, you know, what happens in response to this big spike. And a lot of it's driven by young people. Yes. You know, you got a lot of young people who went out Memorial day, 4th of July, <laughs> Um, you know, and young people are resilient. They're going to, this is, it's not that big a deal to them. I mean, some, most, if not all, I mean, there's gonna be a high, high, high survival rate, but 
young people are going to come into contact with people who are vulnerable. Yeah. And those are the ones. Yeah, a lot of them did get sick, though, and I think, and they bring it back. I think that, I think it's okay. one of the things that I did read, if we all wore masks, those young people you're talking about, Matt, if we all wore a mask, that how, what the difference we could make. Yeah. And, and I know, I know people were telling me, because I'm not really getting out, but in Decatur, the city of Decatur passed an ordinance, and everybody has to wear a mask, right? outside, uh, not in your home, of course, not when you're driving. And I noticed when I was driving the other day, I actually we drove the other day, there were people walking, they had no mask on. I almost stopped and said, where's your mask? But I didn't want to get killed or something, you know? And I think that's the issue is that if we all wore a mask, um, we, could, we, could we could flatten the curve. To your point, if we can just flatten the curve, we're going to be okay. And you know, New York, you know, Cuomo, and they say in New York, everybody wears a mask. I don't know if we need Cuomo just to tell everyone, you know, but we need to. Um, and every governor needs to require it. Hey, um, hey, this is, this is, this is the, the final kind of, this is one of my questions for y'all and that, uh, and Deborah, I really appreciate, appreciate you being transparent and really sharing with us. I think a lot of people um, need to heed your advice. Um, and Matt, I appreciate your insight into what you have to deal with on a political realm and so forth. And not only, but also for yourself on staying healthy. We both have our parents, Matt, you got your parents still healthy. We're Debbie and I, we're blessed to have our parents at 80 plus years of age still good not not everybody has that um what do you recommend deborah for number one i think my thank god my parents have pretty much kept um i wouldn't say isolated but pretty much away from the rest of the population because south carolina numbers are going up they are really going up yeah um mom doesn't go out at all so that's number one that's the good thing and she she really can't because of her, her memory loss. And I talk to her, I try to talk to her every day and, and check in with her. Dad, in fact, uh, Matt, what's funny is that um, dad asked me to send you, uh, send him your phone number because he said, I want to call and talk to Matt. I thought that was great. <laughs> he um, has it. He's had he, it for he, years. He's had it forever. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to send it to him because he, yeah. needs, he needs to be, he, it's been hard for him. But he yeah. has done great. He is, he and I talk. I can't tell you how much toilet paper and different things I have sent to them uh, back when this thing first started. And dad talks to me and he's learned about Amazon. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot and um, he's, he's very careful. You know, masks, gloves. He doesn't have, understand why people don't do it. Uh, they don't go to many stores at all. Um, he keeps it to Fresh Market and um, I think Publix. And he's very, very careful and they just stay around their home and that's what they have to do. I wish I could get him to use Instacart, but they're not there yet. And so, uh, and then Kevin and Nikki saw him recently and they wore their mask and that was really good for them. Yeah. And out here, the elderly are doing, I mean, we live with a, you know, in a retirement community they're the only ones wearing masks. I mean, the younger people, some are, some aren't, 
I'm telling you, go into Publix, the, all the retired, they're all wearing masks. So what does that say? <laughs> I mean, they're scared. they're scared and they know better. And you do wonder about those young people, you know, so Matt and Matt, you know, um, you know, your parents, I mean, they're younger, but I'm sure your mom and dad are both very careful. Yeah, they're extremely careful. My mom too. I mean, my mom as well, she's a cancer survivor. So she's, you know, in a tough spot right now. She still has, um, you know, drugs that she has to take to reduce the likelihood that her breast cancer is going to come back. So, you know, they're almost 70. So. Can't believe that. <laughs> I'll get old, man. <laughs> You're right. It's like, I, I wish we could somehow convince young people. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, here we, we see a lot wearing masks and a lot are, um, I mean, it's probably different out in California. I think there's a little different attitude, especially amongst the young people than there are, than it is in Georgia. Um, but you saw, I saw stories, what, one in Texas, one in Alabama, like all, all around where they're having COVID parties to see who will get infected. Like, you kidding me? Yeah. And you know, the governor of Alabama just required that everybody wear a mask in Alabama. We said, why can't our governor do that? Yeah, we, yeah we've had that. Yeah, I think the governors are all have to do it. It would be nice if we had that at the federal level, but you know, I'm not going to say anything politically, but. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that out. You can say, I highly recommend and let the health people tell you. And here's why. And I do think when you ask me that question, if everybody was wearing a mask, we could flatten the curve. We could. All right. Now, uh, and I, I want to end on that note. What is one, that's great advice, is, is give one or two key points that people can take home. Deborah, start with you because you've lived it, okay? You lived through it. Um, and talk, just give, leave our, our listeners kind of final, final emphasis, final points. So the number one thing is um, wear a mask, wash your hands, sanitize at the same time. If you, ha if you are sick, I have great friends. And when I got home from the hospital, I started emailing, calling them, and I asked them to help me, and they started bringing. I've learned that eating healthy, fruit, 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 uh, fruit, they started bringing me meals. One of my friends tonight just brought me a, a, pork, a pork loin and, and green beans, and it's like they just keep doing that, and it really helps me because I don't feel much like cooking. So they're bringing me stuff. So I think those are three things. I don't go out much, but if you do, wear a mask, flatten the curve, wash your hands, sanitize, and then eat right and drink your fluids. Simple. <laughs> Simple but difficult. I mean, most because people aren't doing it. Matt, what do you think? No, Deb said it all. Uh, great to see you guys. Tons of love to both of you. And, uh, we'll, uh, thanks again for setting this up, Kevin. We'll all talk soon. Yeah, Absolutely. You. Thank you all. I appreciate it. And um, Thank you, Deborah. It, thanks for sharing all right thanks thanks y'all all right hey stay on we'll talk a little bit but thanks again y'all hello this is craig reed owner and ceo of corny board aids we specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach we are also home of the corny board the original sideline coaching board i want to recommend championship vision podcast it is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado.
Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.